Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. So let me ask you this question this morning. Have you ever prayed and said, God, whatever your will, your will be done? Have you ever prayed that prayer? Don't, don't raise your hand, but... Have you ever just said, God, I I want to do whatever you want me to do. Your will be done in my life. If you've prayed that prayer, the second question I would ask you is, did you mean it? Now, Now, be careful. Because I think we sometimes use language like that and we mean it as long as God works the way we want God to work. In other words, we've kind of got an idea We want to make this large purchase, but we don't want to do it without God's approval. So God, if it be your will, hint, hint. And sometimes I think when we pray things like that, we're saying it, but we're not meaning it. In fact, Fred Craddock was a former preaching professor. He went to be with the Lord in 2015. He tells a story about a young preacher who was making hospital visits long before COVID. And so he was in the hospital making a a visit on a lady who was near death. He'd been told she's she's dying. So this young pastor goes into the hospital room, begins to have a conversation with her. They begin to, to talk back and forth and He finally, it was time to leave. He says, well, I've got to go, but I'd like to pray for you. Can I pray for you? And she said, absolutely, please pray for me. Well, what what can I pray for you for? She said, would you just pray for healing? He said, yes, I'd be glad to pray. And the young pastor takes her by the hand and begins to pray. Lord God, we trust in you. You're the great healer. You you know all things. And if, if this is not your will to heal her, to get her up and out of this bed, then would you just give her peace about what you have for her? He finished his prayer. This lady gets, sits up in the bed, wide-eyed, looks at him and says, well, I feel good. Gets out of the bed, leaves the hospital room, says, I'm good. It's all good. I'm going home. She walks down the hallway past the nurse's station going, I'm great. I feel great. I'm good. The young pastor slips out of the room and goes down the hall the opposite direction, down the back stairs, goes out to the parking lot, gets to his car, looks up and says, God, don't you ever do that to me again. I mean, we pray prayers, but do we really mean them when we pray those things. And sometimes we say, I will, but we, we don't really mean I will. This morning as we look at Running with the Giants, we've been in this series six weeks and we're looking at different heroes of the faith and, and we're going to look at Rebecca today. How she answers the call from God. And let me just tell you up front, 
We need more people to answer the call from God. Amen. And I'm not calling that for, for, for people to, to stand up and go pastor a church, to be on staff at a church. I, I mean, we need people to answer the call and go to work in their jobs, in their neighborhoods, in their church for the glory of God. So if you have your Bibles, would you look with me at Genesis 24? The story of Rebecca here is a, a powerful story, and we're only going to look at verses 50 to 60, but we'll, we'll, pack, we'll tap into some of the other things there in her life. Look at me. Stand with me as we honor God's Word. Laban and Bethuel answered, this is from the Lord. We have no choice in this matter. Rebecca is here in front of you. Take her and go. Let her be a wife for your master's son, just as the Lord has spoken. When Abraham's servant heard these words, he bowed to the ground before the Lord. And then he brought out the objects of silver and golden garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious gifts to her brother and her mother. And then he and the men with him ate, drank, and spent the night. When they got up early in the morning, he said, send me to my master. But her brother and mother said, let the girl stay with us for about ten days. Then she can go. But he responded to them, do not delay me since the Lord has made my journey success. Send me away so that I may go to my master. And so they said, let's call the girl and ask her opinion. Then they called Rebecca and she said, and said to her, will you go with this man? She replied, I will go. So they sent her away, their sister Rebecca, with one of the the one who had nursed her and raised her and Abraham's servant and his men, they blessed Rebekah, saying to her, On our sister, may you become a thousand upon ten thousand. May your offspring possess the city gates of their enemies. You may be seated. So let me give you some background to Rebekah. The background starts with Abraham. He's getting up in age. You know the story. Abraham and Sarah have a child, Isaac. Isaac, Sarah has passed, and Abraham is thinking, I need to find a suitable wife for my son. But God has called us to this land and said, this land will be yours. But these people, these people don't acknowledge who God is. These, these people... Don't fear God. They don't even know God. And so in order for Abraham to find a wife for Isaac who is suitable, who understands the call in their life, he needs to go get someone from their homeland. So in chapter 24, you read where Abraham sends a servant. I want you to go back to my homeland. I want you to find me or find Isaac a suitable wife. 
The servant asks tons of questions. What, what if they don't come? What, 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 what if they're unwilling? Then you're free from this obligation. But you must go. She must come from them. So the servant get, gets to town. This is a powerful moment in God's history for A, the power of prayer for this servant has been praying, God, would you answer me? Help me find this one who, who needs to be Isaac's wife. And so he comes to town, he has ten camels, and they gather at the well. All the young ladies in town will come to the well. They will gather water for their families. They will gather water. And so this servant gets to the well with his ten camels and his group of men who are with him. He sets off the camels. He kneeled. The camels set down. And he begins to pray, Father, if you would send one who comes, if she'll give me a drink of water, and if she's willing to water my camels, would that be the one? Before he's finished praying, here comes Rebecca. Rebecca sees him. He goes to her and says, hey, can I have a drink of water? She said, yes, drink. And let me water your camels for you. Now, let me get, get you this picture here. Ten camels. A camel can drink 25 gallons. Ten of them. The bucket that she carries is probably three gallons or less. You do the math the number of times she's got to go to the well, draw water, and give it for the camels to drink. Simple math is she does it at least 80 times, if not more. 80 times. The servant looks and says, God, you've answered my prayer. Ma'am, who are you from? She begins to tell her family, oh, you're Abraham's family. You're one I'm looking for. He puts a, a, a bracelet on her, a gold bracelet on her, a ring in her nose. You thought that was modern. Doing that a long time. But a ring in her nose. And tells her what God has done. She runs home because he's asked if there's a place for them to bed down. Yes, we have straw. We can feed your camels. We have beds. You come. She runs home, tells her family. Her brother gets up and runs. And they meet this man. And we pick up here at verse 50. Where we were. Here's what I want you to catch this morning. Because as we look at her life. I want you to understand that in order to be a spiritual giant, you must be willing to go when God calls. End of, end of story. You can't be a spiritual giant. You can't be a spiritual giant in your personal life, in your public life, in any way, shape, or form if you don't surrender and go when God calls you to go. And so we come to this text. I want to give you three things that we find Rebecca doing. And I want to remind you that if you're going to answer the call, these are the same three things that you and I have to do. The first one is we've got to recognize what God's doing around you. 
Recognize what God's doing around you. When we get to verse 50, the servant is talking to Rebecca's family. And they're listening to his testimony of what God has done. How God brought him back. What God has done in Abraham's life. How God answered the prayer and Rebecca was the answer. They came to the moment, and if you look there at verse 50, they say, how can we deny this is from God? There's no denying this is what God is doing. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but there's sometimes in my personal life that I just wish God would just be so blatantly honest and so blatantly public that I could see what God's doing. But the truth of the matter is, when I get in those moments, I have to stop and realize God's at work. God's never stopped working. He's always at work. The question has to be, are we watching God work? Are we seeing where God's working? Now, I'm going to be honest. During COVID was a difficult time for all of us. There were family members who couldn't see loved ones who were in hospitals There were family members wondering if they would ever see their grandchildren or their children again. It's no different for me. There was a period during COVID that I was in a very dark, dark place. Because God has created us for community. And COVID removed us from community. It caused us to go into isolation. It caused us to worry and wonder. But here's the thing I had to remind myself at moments during COVID was God's still at work. God was still moving. When I looked around, I could still see the hand of God doing things. All I had to do was pay attention. But here's what happens in our life. Sometimes we fail to recognize what God's doing around us. We get so consumed with our own stuff that we, we fail to see God. We're more concerned, as Greg was pointing out, we're more concerned about our own dreams than seeing what God wants to do. We want our way. We're so used to getting things like we want it that we miss what God's doing. Henry Blackaby has said in, in, the, in his experience in God study, if you want to join God, just look to see where he's at and join him. He's at work. This morning, where is God working at in your life? Is God using you? Are you saying yes? Are you answering the call? If the answer is no, then maybe it's time for you to stop, look where God is, and join him. And understand that joining him may mean there's a little discomfort. There may be some moments in our life that we go, I I just, this is not what I signed up for, but God's at work and I want to be a part of that. See, it's never about us, but it's always should be about God. And we've reversed that and saying the American way is about us. But the spiritual way is always about God.
So Rebecca's brothers, Rebecca's family, her brother, dad, and mom, here's this testimony. Verse 50, they say, we cannot deny this is from God. They see God working. They recognize God's work. The second thing we find in the text is that we don't need to delay when God calls. There should be no delay when God calls. I mean, let's be honest. They hear the testimony. They know it's God. They said, here she is right here in front of you. Take our sister. Take our daughter. Take her. If God is calling her, take her. The men, everybody have a great night. Let's eat now. Let's all be merry. Let's enjoy night. They do. The next morning they wake up and there's a change in the way things are going to work out. The change is, why don't you just let Rebecca stay 10 days? Well, why don't you just leave her for 10 days? Leave her with us for 10 days so that, that we could say goodbye to her. Now think about this for a moment. Rebecca's family wakes up that morning and realizes this is probably the last time we're going to see her. I mean, it's not like she's just moving across town. She's moving 500 miles away. It's a 20-day journey at least to go where she's headed. You and I are spoiled that we can get on a plane today and be in Florida. We can be on a plane and in 24 hours we can be around the world someplace else. That's not the case. Because when she leaves, she's leaving. And so they wake up that morning going, wait, wait, did we act a little hastily? Maybe we need to just keep her 10 days. I mean, we, we ought to throw her a goodbye party. I mean, think about it. For those of you who have children old enough to send off to college, the first time you sent your child off to college, the first child, was there a pit in your stomach when you drove away? Leaving them at the, at the dorm? Now, some of you went, there was no pit. There was a hallelujah. That would have been my dad when he dropped me off. But, but every year when we send students off to college, there are those parents. It's their first time. And, and, and it doesn't get any easier the number of kids. It especially gets difficult when it's the last one. But here's the thing about going to college or moving for work or something. You know that they'll be back because they'll run out of money. They'll be back. Rebecca's not coming back. So you get this understanding why they would say, give me 10 days. Now listen, at the end of 10 days, it wasn't going to be any easier. But they wanted 10 days. Sometimes we delay when God calls. We, we come up with all sorts of reasons why. And, and listen, there, there was a great reason to say, she's gone for a long time. She doesn't even know this young man that she's going to be married to. Look at the trip. Look at how long. Give us 10 days. Lots of good reasons. 
But when God calls, there's no, there can be no delay. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Catch that. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. And sometimes we, we miss that. Charles Spurgeon told his church in preaching this text, he said, 10 days doesn't seem too much, but 10 days was still too long. One day doesn't seem too much, but one day is still too long. One minute doesn't seem too long, but one minute can miss eternity. When God calls, our response is, yes, I'm ready. And that's what I love about this story. The, the family has all these ideas, which, again, legitimate. And so they decide, let's call Rebecca in, and let's just see what she says. And they present their case to Rebecca, and she says, yes, I'll go. Yes, I'll go. Which leads me to the third thing. Be willing to say yes to God. Be willing to say yes. Be willing to say, I surrender. God, this is what you want. I'm ready to go. This is what you're calling me. I'm ready to do this. If you've prayed or ever prayed, God, your will be done, and God says, this is my will, you need to be ready to say, yes, I'll do that. If you've ever prayed, God, send us volunteers. If you've ever prayed, God, help us find workers. And God says, I'm waiting on you. You need to say yes. You need to be willing to say yes when God calls. We live in a culture that that wants to remind us to say no. And, and listen, there are moments and times we need to say no. Again, we're doing more than we ever should have done, more than God ever intended to do. We're away from our families more than God wants us to be. But sometimes we say yes to the wrong things. We say yes to the things that, that feed us, that delight our hearts. And we miss saying yes to the things that delight God's heart. And we use all the excuses. We justify ourselves in a number of ways. But we're still living in disobedience. So Rebecca says, yes. Oh, yes, I will go. What do you need to say yes to today? What's God been laying on your heart to say yes to? You know, Glasgow Baptist Church is a wonderful congregation, a wonderful church filled with loving people who over the years have invested and spent their time raising the next generation. But here's the kicker about what God does. God always uses each generation And sometimes we're forgetting that. 
Sometimes we look and go, man, I really wished so-and-so would continue to do that. When they don't understand, their time has come for that particular piece. Not that there's a retirement plan, not that they get to go sit down, but they... But as we get older, we can't do everything we once did. And the next generation is supposed to come behind and pick up those places. They're supposed to mentor boys and girls. They're supposed to, to work with young families. They're supposed to teach. And what happens is we come to that place and we say, but they do such a good job. Why would I want to, to mess that up? Because God called because the next generation is supposed to step in. Are you willing to say yes when God calls? What's God calling you to do? Where's God asking you to, to jump in? Where's God asking you to make a difference? Where's God asking you to invest your time and energy? But the truth of the matter is, we need, as the body of Christ, globally and locally, people to say yes to the call of God. So let me give you three lessons we learned from, from, that we need to remember from Rebecca. The, the first one is simply this. When you serve, never count the cost. Don't count the cost. Go back to Rebecca when, when she meets the servant. I'll go water your camels. Again, 10 camels, 25 gallons. How long do you think it takes her to go back and forth to the well? At least 80 times. I mean, likelihood, there's not, they're not sitting right here next to the well. They're sitting a distance because other people have to come to the well. It's the time of day, the scripture says, when, when, when the, the, the ladies would all come. So how many times does she have to stop and wait for her turn on the well? She could have just as easily said, I'm done. Um, listen, I got to get home. The World Series is tonight. Um, they're playing stickball in the neighborhood. I don't really like camels. You know, they stink, they're smelly. I, you need to handle that. She could have said, stranger danger. I don't know you. She, she could have come up with a, a thousand reasons why she could have said no. She could have counted the cost. But when God calls us to serve, we don't count the cost. Because it's not about us, but about his glory. Amen? It's not about what we get out of it. It's about what we offer to him. So he calls us to, to serve. Second thing is, when you serve, God will reward you. Now here's the thing. Rebecca had no clue what was about to happen. She didn't know that this guy was looking for a wife for, for Isaac. She didn't even know that he had gold on him. 
But God rewarded her. She was willing. I mean, go back to verse 50. We cannot deny this. It's from God. The family has said, yes, here she is. And it's not until that moment that all the gifts come out. Oh, he rewards her for for watering the camels and giving him water. But the gifts that she received don't come out until they say yes. And then the heavenly reward she gets when she becomes Isaac's wife. Again, a man she's never met. She doesn't know if he's handsome. She doesn't know how he's going to treat her. She just knows God's called. And she's willing to serve. When God calls you to serve and you serve, God will handle the reward. Some of the rewards we receive, we'll never see on this side of eternity. And that's okay. But we have to understand God has a plan and a purpose, and he'll take care of us. He'll reward us. We find this, this thought process in Galatians 6, 9. Let us not get tired of doing good work, for we will reap the, at the proper time if we don't give up. We will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Our responsibility is just to serve and let God take care of the rest. Third thing we find in this text is when you serve, be ready to go where God leads you. Be ready to go where God leads you. When you say yes, and here's, here's how God knows your heart. Because sometimes we'll say, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. As long as you don't call me away from Glasgow. As long as you don't call me to a country that has food I can't eat. As long as you don't call me to the nursery. As long as you don't call me to work with anybody who is argumentative or ornery. Well, there goes the whole church. You don't mean you're ready to go. You mean, I'll do it under my terms, not your terms. We need to be ready to go wherever God leads us. Matthew 10, 38 says, And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Are you worthy of the salvation that God has offered you? Are you worthy of the salvation that God has offered you? God says, be faithful and obedient. Serve me. 1995, I was in Atlanta, Georgia. Not for the World Series, for the Braves. It was the middle of summer. It was Promise Keepers. I'll never forget that Promise Keepers event. It wasn't my first Promise Keepers event. Then I'd been to, to others. And I knew God was up to something because I even told my mother before I left Louisville, I was going with the church in Lexington that I, I dearly loved. I said, I don't know what God's trying to tell me, 
I hope God will make that clear. So it was the afternoon session. I'll never forget, it was, it was getting, well, I was getting close to afternoon. It was the lunchtime session at lunch that we would dismiss and could go out and eat. Our hotel was just uh, from about here to, to a little further than the square. And finished the session. I, I left, the, left the convention center and walked back to the hotel. There's a bunch of guys that we were all in the same room. The four of us stayed in the same room. We were all just talking and eating lunch and carrying on, and I was just miserable. The afternoon session was about to start. They all said, hey, you going with us? No, I'm not. Rusty, a good friend of mine, says, I knew at that moment just to leave you alone. And out the door they went. For the next 15 minutes, I sat in that room giving God every excuse there was for me to say no to the call that he was putting on my life. So he was calling me to, to ministry. And I kept going, do you know what you're asking me? That's a dumb question to say to God, but that's what I was saying. You know my background. Grew up in a Christian family, but I'm not smart. I used the same book report for four years in high school. I don't have the, the knowledge to be a minister. I don't have the knowledge to do anything. I've stood on the fence more than I've stood off the fence. For the next 15 minutes, I kept having that conversation with God, and God kept saying, yes, I know, but will you go? About 15 minutes later, I finally said, yes, I'll go. Yes, I'll go wherever you lead me to go. And it was at that moment when I said yes, this huge burden was lifted, this cloud was removed, and I was overjoyed. I ran down the stairs and was going to try to catch the guys to find out where they were going to sit, so I decided to jump in a taxi. I don't have to go far, but I'm going to get a taxi to run me up there quickly. And I jump in the taxi, and the taxi driver pulls out, and I said, hey, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you went? And he stopped really quick, like he was about to hit something. And I said, no, do you, do you know Jesus? And he came off and said, no, you know, I don't want to hear that. I'll just get you here and get out. My life has never been the same since. There was a moment I thought God said, I want you to go to Chicago. Lord, do you really want me in Chicago? But if that's where you want me to go, I'll go. Praise the Lord. He, it's not what he wanted me to do for school, but I was willing to go. When you say yes, do you mean yes? Do you, when you say I will go, do you really mean I will go? Listen, the, 
The church needs people who would say yes. Satan wants everything in his power for you to say no. He gives you every reason to say no. Tells you all the reasons why it makes sense to say no. But God says, I still want you. I still need you. The kingdom's that important. What do you need to say yes to this morning? What do you need to say yes to? Maybe you're here and you need to say yes to Jesus for the first time. In just a moment, we'll sing our hymn of invitation. We'll invite you to come. If you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I'd love to, to share that with you, to tell you how much he loved you, sent his one and only son to die for you, that he knows your past, he knows everything about you. There's no sin too great that he can't wash away if you'll surrender your life to him. Maybe today you need to say yes to joining this church family. You've been coming some time and you're ready to join. Maybe there's a yes that you need to say, I'm willing to volunteer. If you've ever served on the nominating committee, you know how many people run from you when you say, hey, I'm with the, volunteer, I'm with the nominating committee. Maybe it's time for you to say, yes, I'll volunteer. I'll do whatever. Use me. Just a moment as we sing, trust and obey. Would you do that? Would you just say, I'm going to trust God and I'm going to obey whatever he calls, whatever he leads, I will do. Would you stand with me this morning?